Hashtag Jesus. Jesus is the way to God. Always the time for Eastern, the church used as a special season to focus themselves on Jesus alone. The different approaches to God, we will figure out the mystery of Christ because Jesus said, I've come to give life, the life to the fullest. Hashtag turn around. Oh, I love to turn around. I love to look at the audience and I love to bless them. Yeah, they always told me, don't turn around. At one point, I, I turned around completely. And that was a special moment for me. It was the best moment of my life. I mean, honestly, about the topic turn around, if there's something in your life that doesn't flow, you should turn around. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, you know, I have such a pile of fines. Somebody called, hey, uh, you stupid one, hey, Rania, um, you're, so, you're so ugly. You're a butcher, you don't turn around, because I remember this story when I turned around too early and the cow stung me in my back. So I was laying on the floor and I, I, I swore to myself, I will never turn around again. Then I tell them, you look so good. Hallelujah. I never turn around, never turn around. I go straight on, you know, like in Germany and at the highway, they can't just go straight on. At that point, something like a holy anger came in me uh, from my feet up to my heart. Take me as an example. I don't have to turn around. I'm like a river. If you are innerly disintegrated, you should atone your own sins to somebody and find out where your problems are. Hallelujah! Be blessed! Hallelujah! I don't turn around. I don't turn. I have these windows. Uh, the three-row window, I, I look there and then I see back, you know? I turned around in that very moment and I said, you glimmy princess. So I do not agree on that one. Go on, turn around. Something's wrong in your life. I hope that's all right for you. And um, yeah, it was good to turn around at that, in that moment, yeah. I love to bless the audience. I love it so much to turn around. You know, the problem is when I look there, I see this little Jesus hanging at the cross and I think, I have to pay these fines anyway. So hi, church. You doing good this afternoon? Yeah, glad for those that are here. The rest are not here. Yeah, you know. Uh, it's amazing um, when I saw this clip for, uh, for the second time. I'm so pumped about the creativity in our church. I don't know which person you like the most. For me, it's the former guy. You know, the, the, the former, the, uh, the cows, because I'm coming from Books and Gallen, it's close with a lot of cows living, and that's why I feel very related to this guy. We started a series about hashtag Jesus. The topic tonight is turn around. And I would love to go a little bit in church history in the beginning that we understand some words of Jesus, why we think the way we think in the church. 
about uh, in the year 400 after Christ, the church made a decision that said, let's start 40 days before Eastern, let's do called Lent. Let's fast and pray for 40 days before Eastern because everybody has some issues in your life, some challenges in your life, some struggles in your life, some loss in your life, some failures in your life. Let's go serious and let's fast for 40 days and an Easter time we will experience signs and miracles in our life. And there were a second group. The church said, there, there are a lot of people that are obvious living in sin. We will give those people a chance in the 40 days to repent to God. And the third group of people in the church, they have never got baptized. And we give them the chance for the next 40 days to be focused on God. And on Eastern Sunday, we will baptize them. This was the idea of the church for many, many of hundreds of years. Let's be honest for a moment. Fasting for 40 days was a sign the old, the, our body, the old flesh is full of sin. We're going to weaken our body and the spirit will be, go stronger and stronger. But doing that, it's a smart thing, but doing that, it's also a very tough thing, right? The church came up with an idea saying, okay, before we do 40 days really hard stuff, let's have one day before we start fasting, let's do a party called Fasnacht. Carnival. One day Carnival, we drink, we eat, we have sex, we go crazy, we do everything what is forbidden. And then the, when we start fasting and praying, then we ask God for forgiveness. We ask God to clean myself. We want to focus our life to Eastern. That's why we're doing Carnival and Fasnacht and fasting all the crazy things in the Catholic area. Maybe you're saying right now, that's ridiculous, doing that. But I have to be honest, that's typically the way we're doing life. Because I, I'm going on diet many times. You know why I'm going on diet? Because I can. I'm doing often diet. Uh, uh, losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight. I'm on diet all the time. But here's the thing. Before I go on diet, do you know what I do? The night before I start with the diet, you know what people do? It's simple. You don't eat one piece of cake, you eat the whole cake. You're not going for one, uh, for a little bit uh, ice cream, you're going for loads of ice cream, right? You eat chocolates and cakes and everything because you think tomorrow I start with the diet and that's very hard. And this is actually typical what we're doing often, even also with our God. And the Catholic Church, they've done it for 40 days called Lent. They were based on the Bible verse of Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Let's start with this Bible verse. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness and Judah on saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Here is the thing, when we hear the word repent, it sounds like punishment. It's like a police officer who stops you and you get an amazing blessed fine. The word repentance, when you preach in church, repent, turn or burn, hell or fire. You're like, oh my God, I've done many things wrong. I want to show you right in the beginning an example of my own life. 
And we have an amazing car on stage, and I need, you need two people, maybe Björn can come, and maybe my son, Simon. Could you come on stage? You have to be a part on my amazing illustration, because when we speak and preach about repentance, we have a clear picture in our mind about police driving car too fast, we got a fine. Please uh, come in my car. I want to tell you three stories, and it's important for me, don't judge me. Because a lot of people say, you're a pastor, you should be like a role model. Don't judge me. just want to show you and prove you what, what you think about repentance. Okay, I had a couple from India in our church, and I had to drive them. I was the host. That was some years ago. And um, here is an Indian pastor. When I drove, he looked out all the time. You have to look out. Good. Okay. Now I drove the street of Zurich. You know, the challenging thing is Zurich, Switzerland, you're only allowed to drive 50 kilometers an hour. That's really slow. Very, very slow. 50. But the Indian guy, he looked around. Clean, Switzerland, looks like heaven. The cows are not on the streets, they're on the middle. And all of a sudden, I start to speed up a little bit, just a little bit. The word is a little bit. And all of a sudden, boom, I got flashed. Oh my goodness, that's not a good thing. The Indian guy said, what's this? I said, it's not a flash from heaven, it's a flash from the police. You know, I got a bill, a fine, some, one week later, and the police is saying to me, you've gone too fast, you have to pay 270 Swiss francs. That's not a bargain. That's a punishment, right? And God says, repent, it's like a punishment. Why in the world could not the police a little bit nicer? For example, they could write me a letter, Leo, you're such a good driver, you can go 65 still going straight and smooth. We want to bless you with a rose. No, it will never happen. Okay, some weeks later, I was driving in USA on the way to Las Vegas. We had an appointment with a pastor right in Las Vegas. No joke. We were late because the German plane landed, oh my goodness, too late. And the uh, street was 70 miles an hour. But the street was straight. And then I started to speed up a little bit. Instead of 70, I went up to 95. And all of a sudden, boom, I got flashed again. The police stopped me and said, guy, I have two options for you. You drove 95 miles an hour. That means option number one, you park the car. I bring you straight to prison. You will stay there for one, two days, and your mom has to buy you out. Or I reduce it to 90 miles. I'm just be generous. You have to pay a, a, a fine. And I asked, how much is the, the fine? He said, only 400 US dollars. But I was very shocked, 400 flipping US dollars, only because I was a little bit too fast. Then I got a letter from the USA government, government that said, I have to go for a driving lessons in Sacramento, LA, because I should prove to Americans I'm a good driver. But I'm a foreigner, I cannot fly to Sacramento for one driving lesson, and I had to pay another 80 US dollars. Punishment means fine, I pay a lot of money. Now, we have a lot of Germans in our church that say, yeah, 
in Germany this can never happen. Some weeks later, I drove in Germany with our worship tour. It was 1.30 in the morning. German street, in Germany you can, you can drive as, as fast as you want. But sometimes there's a sign of 100. But 100 means nothing in Germany. If there's a sign of 100, people go 150, 180, 240, whatever. It was 1.30 in the morning on the way to a worship uh, uh, tour, a revival night. Uh, and uh, I thought it's 100, yeah, but uh, let's go fast. I drove 175 kilometers an hour. Very fast. We were the only car on the street, Dave and me. And all of a sudden, oh, again, I was shocked. Holy cow, again. And then I got a letter from the German police. Actually, she phoned me and said, hey, Pastor Leo, what's wrong with you? Man, there's only one flashlight in Germany. It's in Kassel, and you just drove in. I said, yeah, I'm maybe the only one. How much I have to pay? She said, 600 Swiss francs. In one year, three times I got flashed. And now the number I had to pay the fine was tremendous, great, and huge. And when God is saying repentance, I start to shake because I know what it means to be punished. It's always very expensive. That's why when Christ is saying repent, we have a certain image, a certain picture what punishment just literally means. Let's give the crew in the car a big hand. Thank you so much. Come out, yeah? And uh, finally, we arrived. You know, when, when, when God is saying repent, we have a clear image in our mind. And for example, the word repentance in Latin means, and for the first 500 years, the church was Catholic church. They translated the Bible into Latin. They preached into Latin. They wrote the Bible in Latin. That translates the word metanoia. The word metanoia means repentance. They just translated that word in Latin into regret, repentance, or punishment. People always, when they spoke about uh, repent, they felt God is punish us. That's why we have to do something. And now let's go a little bit back in the story of Martin Luther. He grew up in a Catholic setting. He grew up with that mindset. He had some issues in his life and he said to God, God change me, God heal me, God clean me, God redeem me. And he in his heart, he knew I have to do something. God will punish me. And I have to regret and I have to do something. And in his hard attitude, he said, I would love to slide on my knees from Germany to Italy, Rome. You see this position? Just to say to God, I'm serious. Heal me, clean me, redeem me, punish me. This was the whole mindset to follow God. God is like a police office. If you want to change my life, I have to be really serious. It hurts. It's very hard for me. And he fasted many times. Uh, he has done a lot of things, a lot of punishment. Because he believed that's the only way to please God. And when we speak about repentance, a lot of people still say, God is like a police officer. And for many, many decades, Martin Luther struggled. And one day, 
he read the Bible verse again. When Jesus came, he quoted exactly the same Bible verse that John the Baptist used. I always thought there's a copyright. But Jesus copied the, the preaching of John the Baptist right. Copyright. He took the same Bible verse in Matthew chapter 14, 4, verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. And then comes the same preaching like John the Baptist preached. He repeats the same story. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It has come to you. And Martin Luther, with that mindset, he started to study what is actually the meaning of repentance. Not in the Latin word, in the original Hebrew and Greek setting. And he came up and just read it with me. And this is an amazing different mindset. The word repentance means metanoia. It comes from around or after. It just literally has the meaning, I rethink. I change my mind. It's more how I think. How I think in my life determines everything what I do in my personal life. And here's the thing. It's not so much what I do. It's more how I think. And in that moment, Martin Luther realized we're doing so many things wrong in the church. Repentance has the feeling like God is a bad police officer. And church history changed because he had the revelation what metanoia actually means. Third, 31 October 15, 1517, Martin Luther himself hung on these 59 theses on the door of the old St. Church of Wittenberg. And the 59 theses Change church forever. What is the change? The thesis number one he wrote down. And when you read this, you will say, what's the point? Something is with the microphone. Be careful. It's like this. And the first thesis is saying, what our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent in Matthew chapter 4 verse 17. He want the entire life of believers to be the one of repentance. Just pause for a moment. You see, what's the meaning about that? He is saying, all the church, everybody believed, repentance is punishment. I have to do something. But for the very first time, I understand, I'm realizing, metanoia is how I see myself. Because sin and repentance is not the same. Sin means I missed the target. When you shoot an arrow and you miss the target, the guy will read, sin! You didn't hit the target. Sin means I missed the target. When you follow Christ, you hit the target. Sin is not the issue in our lives anymore. But repentance is a never-ending story. He is actually saying, now listen to me, every morning when I get up, I say, what will God do in my place? How will God treat my wife, my kids, my company? How will God do in my place to be friendly? Metanoia means I start to think like God thinks. I talk like God talks. I act like God acts. Everything in my life is focused. To please God in my thinking, in my talking, in my living. This is metanoia. It's not something I do. It's something I am.
I asked five people, and you saw them already on stage, to preach about metanoia, what repentance means for us. It's very practical because metanoia means I repent every day. I focus every day on God and I ask God every day, change me, clean me, redeem me. Let me think how you think. And here are five amazing repentance stories. Let's start with Björn. So about a year ago, God took me on a journey, what it actually really means through the Holy Spirit to not have to not be the slave of fear anymore, but actually to be a child of God and the renewing of my mind in my daily walk with Jesus. Especially felt fearful when I had these little impressions, when someone told me he's sick or she has something, or when I had this one of those thoughts and then I felt so most of the time too afraid to actually say, hey, can I pray for you? And God took me on this journey, what it means to be, just to be a child of God and be an heir of the kingdom and build the kingdom. So for example, when, when we were in Germany and sometimes my wife orders something from Amazon that actually only gets shipped to Germany, we went to this parcel service, to this packet parcel station. And uh, I went in and all of a sudden had this impression, no brainer, someone has back pain in that parcel shop. And I said that and the lady who was at the registration said, no, um, yeah, I have it, but I said, hey, can I pray for you? She said, no, I don't want prayer. And then in, in the back, there was another guy, and he said, yeah, I also have back pain. I said, hey, I would love to pray for you. Can I pray for you? And, 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 and he said, yeah, of course. And I took all my courage together and said, hey, give me your hand, and, and I prayed for him. And just a short, quick prayer, and then I, I said, hey, how do you feel right now? What, what's going on? And he said, hey, um, it's crazy. My, my whole lower back is, is sizzling. It's, it's hot and it's, um, it feels great. I don't have any pain anymore. What's going on? And he said, <laughs> I said, hey, I, this is the love of God who is really touching you right now. And he got healed. And uh, I see him every once in a while. And, uh, and he already, he knows me now by name and he's still fine. His back is healed and he said, he's already prepares all the parts. Hey Bjorn, great, you're back again. My back is fine again. <laughs> and here's all the, your packages. Is it like that every day? No. It's still a fight for me to be, to overcome fear and to really walk as a child of God and follow these little thoughts and actually be bold. But I'm learning what it means just to be a child of God and follow these little thoughts from Jesus and just build the kingdom. I've learned to be brave for Jesus. Seventeen years ago, my world fell apart. My parents got divorced and their custody dispute lasted seven years long. Whilst this, my brother and I were used as a weapon and were passed back and forth. During this time, my mother got addicted to alcohol. She was I had to take care of my brother instead of her. Once she overcame her addiction, she fell in another one. She became a workaholic. She got to feed two children. And then she was never there for us. Instead of showing understanding for her situation, I got really angry on her. I blamed her for everything she 
has done. She robbed me of my childhood and I had to take care of my brother. One year, and I was resentful. <laughs> One year after I gave my life to Jesus, she kicked me out. But then there was something different. I knew I have someone by my side who is fighting for me, and that was Jesus. I went to my father, and um, I realized that not only my mother was the reason for everything, I didn't have to blame her for everything. I also realized that I have to forgive my father and my mother. Today, I'm reconciled with both of them. Sometimes it's pretty hard. I have to forgive them again and again. But with Jesus, I'm brave and beautiful. I'm a person, I calculate my money very precisely. And at first you might think that this is a good thing. But the same way you can spend too much money, you can also spend too little in the way that you value the money too much in your life. And for me, I realized I believe in a God who is generous. And then I asked myself, then why am I not generous at all? Why am I calculated? And I started to give 10% since, my first, since I got my first pocket money. And at first it was 10 penny. 10 precisely, correctly calculated 10 pennies. And I realized that's not generous at all. That's just a tithe that always belonged to God. And then I started to give 20%. And let's be honest, with 20% it's very hard to get around. I mean, I have to pay food, I have to pay other stuff and stuff. And with that, it was pretty hard. But I said to myself, I wanted to put my trust into God and not in my math skills. So the time went on and I became those red shoes. I got those red shoes. And the story was like that. My father and I, we went to the Converse store and then I saw those stylish shoes and I really liked them. And a guy came to us and he, told, uh, he asked me, do you like those shoes? And I answered, yes, of course, I love them. And he said, do you want to buy them? And I said, yeah, how do you mean with that? What do you mean with that? And he said, all right, give those shoes to me and I buy them for you. And I was very amazed because I realized that no matter how, many, how much you give, God will always give more. And I realized that out of this calculation, there can be, it becomes a generosity. And today I still give 20% every month. And when I do that, I say to myself, I don't want to be calculated. I don't want to over-calculate my money. I want to be generous. I would like to tell you a story of a woman in our church, and this is her story. I always thought I had to do everything on my own. I had to cope with everything that happened to me on my own, and this destroyed me. I had already experienced sexual abuse in my childhood. 
The consequence being that I felt worthless. When I was a bit older, physical violence was added, not by the same person. My brother just had to release his emotions somewhere. Sometimes I still dream of me sitting in some corner and him hitting me out of control. To distance myself, I started drinking alcohol and hurting myself. I never went to the limit, even though I often wished that I could. At one point, I wanted to work through the sexual abuse, but in my way, I tried to gain control over men. I loved making them hot and then letting them fall again. A few times, this almost became my downfall. It was only once I let Jesus in my life that I started letting go of all this negativity. A long path. It took two years before I could look at myself in the mirror and see myself as a human for the very first time. As a person who is loved. Who deserves to live. Who is valuable. Even though I'm now happy, there are moments when I fall back. When I see myself as an object, as somebody who you can do everything with. But then Jesus reminds me that he loves me. How wonderfully he made me and all the things he has still prepared for me. This gives me strength. I'm not thankful for all the things I experienced. But I know that God can use this all for his good. That he can use me with my story. Because I'm strong, brave and beautiful through him. Already as a child, I believed in really high values and morals. And I remember a day when I was around 10 years old that I had an argument with my friend in school because she told me, Ilana, you never can be sure that your parents stay together for their whole life. And I was so angry on her and thought, how can she say that? Because my parents, they are Christians and they promised. But when I was 15 years old, it was my dad who cheated on my mom and left, my, left the whole family for another woman. I was so broken inside because all my, my values I believed in, all my trust, all my picture of men was destroyed in one moment. And I thought, if Christians doesn't keep their words, who does? And I, I decided I, I never want to get married because this whole stuff with marriage and faithfulness, it's not, yeah, it doesn't work. But then I started to live with this Jesus and I got to know him as a God who is faithful who is faithful even people are not faithful. And I decided to follow him and not people. And I started and decided to, uh, to live these godly values in my life. Because I realized marriage and faithfulness is still a godly idea. 
no matter what happens in my own family. And today, of course, it's not, not always easy, but I'm already married happily over 12 years. Thank you for these amazing stories. You know, this is for me like repentance just actually really means. It's like metanoia. It's what Martin Luther said. You have to, every day when you woke up, you say to yourself, I am brave. I am exalted. I am generous. I am loved. I am faithful. This you're doing all the time again and again and again. You push yourself into the place of God. You think like God. You act like God. This is metanoia. This is repentance. We often think you're doing a big mistake. Then you repent and it's done for three weeks. But Martin Luther is saying, do this every day. Remind yourself every day about the goodness of God and act and think and do like God is doing. Let's give these people an amazing hand for the story. Thank you so much. Amazing. What metanoia just literally means. I started with this car story that I paid three times an amazing fine. You know what repentance means for me in terms of driving car? Means I use from the right, right, right moment, from now on, the cruise controller. The cruise controller means... When I drive 120, I push it, and it drives 120 through whole Switzerland. And since then, I never paid any fine again. That's repentance for me. Yeah, applause. Come on. Don't judge me before I judge you. I'll close with Luke. I want to close with Luke, the prodigal son. I just thought... Because repentance, I don't know what is your image of repentance. I don't know what is your background, actually. But Martin Luther King had the revival. He brought reformation into church history because the only one thought, you don't have to pay it. It's all done. The prodigal son left home with all the money. He used it for big parties. When he used all the money, he was by the pigs. And there he had a really deep moment where he said, I would love to go back to my father. And the father in the prodigal son story stands for God. In Luke chapter 15, verse 19, and let's read this Bible verse really carefully because there's some nuggets in this Bible verse. He is saying, when I'm going back to my father, I will say, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Here he's saying, I am not worthy anymore. How in the flipping world has told him that only because you have made a failure, you are not a failure? You know what I mean? Sometimes when you're doing dumb thing, doesn't mean you're stupid and dumb. Because God is saying, you're my son, you're my daughter, my kids or my blood and my flesh, even when they fail, even when they do amazing mistakes, they are still my sons, my daughter, my flesh and blood. God is just saying to you and me, you are my daughter, you are my sister, you are my brother, you are my old flesh, you always worthy. Then he's saying, I have to be a servant. 
like Martin Luther. I want to slide to Rome. If I do this for God, then God is pleased with me. Here he is quoting Old Testament. He's saying, I have to work out forgiveness. And then comes the next Bible verse, verse 20. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran for his son, drew his arm around him and kissed him. Let's pause for a moment. A father will only wait for something is valuable. If something is not valuable, you will never wait every day in front of the window and looking out and watching, is my son coming? Is my own flesh and blood is coming? God the Father was waiting every day because the son failed. The son has done stupid things, but this will never change the long, the compassion from God Almighty for his son. Then when the son came back, and I want to close with this Bible verse. And this Bible verse is a crashing Bible verse. I understood it for many times, many years really wrong. In verse 21, so the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. That's, that statement is okay. But now the next one, it's unreal. And the next one, I will say, almost all over the world, Krishna are quoting that, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Who told the prodigal son? Who told you? Who told other people? Only because you made a mistake, a failure, that you are not worthy anymore to be called a son and a daughter of the Almost High God. Who told you that? Dear friends, it's always the devil is pointing his finger on Christian and say, who in the flipping world could you do this and that? Do you really think that after all that, God is still believing in you, loving you, has a compassion for you, is forgiving you, it's cleaning you? Who in the world you thinking you are? You know, in that story, the father was embracing him. And says, son, let's celebrate. You were lost and you are home. I don't care if you think you're not worthy. Metanoia just simply means think like God thinks, act like God thinks. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. Let's give an applause to God in heaven. He will never, ever, ever, ever stop loving you and me. Repentance means God, metanoia. I start thinking like you think. That is all about Christianity.